Welcome to the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to Lloyd Ashley, professional rugby player for Ospreys and mental health and well-being lead for the Welsh Rugby Players Association. Thanks for joining us. So, Lloyd Ashley, welcome to the Form Guide. Thank you so much for joining us. Mate, thank you for the invite. Uh, pleasure to join you and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Likewise, my friend, likewise. So, um, we, we always kick off with a funk tune for uh, season two of the Form Guide, and that was the uh, the great parliament, Give Up the Funk. Are you uh, are you into 70s funk, Lloyd? Um, I can't say I'm into 70s funk. I can say, though, that I will listen to any music. I'm a big fan of not having a clue what music's on and uh, just enjoying it and uh, flicking next track. And But I couldn't tell anybody I get to train this. So I like thinking I've got a song in my head. So I'm saying, oh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you singing over there? I wouldn't have a clue what I was singing, who sang it. But <laughs> no, I love listening to different music. I was I was saying to my wife last night when I got, uh, I dropped my, uh, my girls to my mother's yesterday and I put Disney songs on in the car for them. I dropped them off. And then I went to training and I realised, um, just as I was pulling to training, I've got... Uh, Gaston blasting through my speakers and I was thinking yeah it doesn't sound great going into training so um, yeah I will listen to any music and I get caught up in so many different genres so now it is it is quite funny but uh, I couldn't tell you many songs that who sang them and uh, the name of the song yeah brilliant I, I reckon thinking about Disney classics the, the Frozen soundtrack is the uh, the album that I've actually listened to the most in my life because my daughter put it on repeat kill it, you know, wherever we would go and it, those songs will never never leave my mind uh, but yeah power of music um, so that was uh, that was a bit of 70s funk to get us warmed up uh, morning to uh, Marlene on the live uh, hi hurrah um, Marlene said tune so we've got a we've got one fan of the music out there for sure um, so, Lloyd, you are a professional rugby player with Ospreys. You are um, a, a mental health and well-being advocate with um, the Welsh Rugby Players Association, and you've got your own well-being initiative called Living Well with Lloyd Ashley. So, sounds pretty busy, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, no, it is pretty busy, but it's a nice balance. Nice balance. You don't want to be all one thing. Can't just be a professional rugby player. It's nice to have things going on, and especially things that mean a lot to you. Um, very lucky to have found um, out a bit more over the last couple of years around uh, mental health and well-being and really enjoy being a part of it. And then the balancing act between the physical activities, the connections you get from rugby. Probably didn't realise how fortunate I was um, with having so many proactive steps around me, around my uh, mental health and well-being. Uh, because I, I say to a lot of people, ignorance is bliss, and uh, at times you don't you don't know what's going on around you. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I went to do an introduction to counselling course, and just completely changed my mind. I thought, wow, we don't speak to each other properly. We don't ask the right questions. Don't give people time. We don't create the right spaces. And then that was sort of the start of the journey. Then I uh, went on to be an ambassador for Havel, which is a Welsh mental illness charity. And uh, after that, I just thought oh, I need to do more in this space. I want to do more in this space, whether it was just for personal reasons at the time or whether it was for to start something like I have. I didn't really know at the time, but um, as I've gone through, I've seen how many people have supported what I've done and thought and asked questions about oh, what about doing this, what about doing that? And I thought, oh, yeah, let's do it, let's try it, let's yeah. see what we can do and let's hopefully uh, pass some positive messages on from the things I've done and the things I've learned. 
Yeah, amazing. Well, we're definitely going to get into that. And um, you know, I'm delighted to recognise you as an ally to the, the mental health agenda with the forthcoming Inside Out leaderboard. So, yeah, thank you for all that you do. Um, you, you, you touched on a point there that you that I'm keen to explore a little bit before we get into it was that, you know, you were doing a lot of things that were good for proactively managing your mental well-being. You know, the exercise that you get as part of your job, the social connection with your teammates. And it's interesting, isn't it, that until you do start looking into this, we, we don't really understand what drives our form, what drives our well-being, do we? No, we haven't got we haven't got a clue. And I think as well, we don't, until we hit crisis point, we don't assess everything. And that's such a bad way of looking at it. It's like we should understand what we're doing daily to understand what, what sort of mood we're in, what's going on, what's going on around us, why, why things are happening. And sometimes sitting back and it's not always easy because life's so fast around us there's so much going on but just taking that step back and giving yourself a chance to think about what's going on whether you've slept well whether your diet's been good whether you've been out and give yourself some time um whether it's been good going to meet friends whether it's just some time on your own whether it's if your passion's reading if your passion's singing doing those things because there's a lot of those things that when life gets busy we give up straight away we don't even mean to at times we might isolate ourselves from others and all all of a sudden you take a step back and you're like I haven't been to see anybody in two days because I've been doing this this and this around the house no wonder yeah. I'm feeling no wonder I'm feeling like I am or I haven't I haven't been out or whatever those little things are yeah. um we don't always assess them and sometimes we just excuse them all the time as oh yeah it's just one of those things it's just one of those things and yeah. the more we leave those more we leave those go all the time obviously our form score is going to go down Absolutely right. Well, you've, you've spoken there about two, two of the, the, the core things of form score. It's the gift of self-reflection to, to answer that question, how are you today? And then it's understanding what's driving it to be intentional about making sure we do prioritise those things that, that keep us well. Um, so I always start with this question, but, um, um, you know, how are you today? You can see I'm a, an eight out of 10 today. I'm delighted that I'm uh, actually in your country. I'm in Wales. I'm in North Wales at my mum's house. Um, and she, I've got this view of the mountains over there. And then behind me is the beach and the sea and the ocean. And I'm here with my uh, my little lad and, uh, you know, I'll work in the mornings and then we'll spend the afternoon playing on the beach, which I feel really grateful for and just blessed that I can be in this this beauty and this nature. Um, so my form score is very good today. What, what about you, Lloyd? How are you today? Yeah, that, that is definitely a welcome to Wales. Uh, it's um, unbelievable how lucky we are. You can have, how you can have the mountain so close to the sea. Yeah. Um, so nice, no, such a beautiful country. We are very fortunate there. Um, I'm I'm in a very good place today. It's uh, day off day Wednesday, so it's, that's that's always a good one. I'm gonna have a day with with my daughters, um, so I'll take those out. Luckily, they're uh, nanny and vampy are just taking them out for for an hour. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in a good place. We're getting ready for the season. So definitely, I, I'm a nine out of ten today. Definitely I'm carrying a bit of carrying a bit of fatigue in the legs, uh, which is bringing it down. And didn't have all my sleep last night because my daughter's uh, one of my daughters got a pretty bad cold. So, okay. uh, but apart from that, we're yeah in a very good place. Thank you. Yeah, good. Well, great, great to see you on a nine. And um, you, you talk about that day off day, so that's a day off off of training um, and, and a clear a clear day. There's no competition and. I think that's really important, isn't it? That sort of, you know, periodization of your training and the days of recovery. You mentioned you've got some fatigue in the legs. I think 
you know, elite athletes, you are very good at doing this, aren't you, to, to, to program in times where you let your body recover from the stress that you put it under in training, and that's when the improvements happen. And I think I, I often draw the parallels for the corporate athlete to then just push, 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 without those moments of recovery, without those day-off days, and no surprise, the result is uh, overload, exhaustion, and burnout. Um, do you think that, that we can learn um, from the kind of the sporting world in, the, in the, the corporate world on how better to recover from stress? Yeah, it's funny. The athletes are still learning to do it, though. We, I, I know from, from a young athlete, if I was off on a Wednesday, I'd be thinking, I need to do something. I need to do something. And then you start to learn to trust uh, the system that's around you, the support they've got around you, the reasons they're giving you those days off. Um, yeah. But it, it it takes time, and we all we're always looking. If we're quiet, we're looking for something to do. We don't don't yeah. don't enjoy that. So it is a hard balance to learn. But I know the further I've got through my career, and obviously for me on a Wednesday normally when we have a day off um, over the last couple of years, I've done lots of different things. So um, started quite a few years ago into do a plumbing. Uh, qualification and then so on a Wednesday I'd go plumbing with a with a local with a local man who's who's a legend he's still still a great guy to me now yeah. um taught me one of my best life lessons which I'll probably speak about after yeah. um then I went on to do like a leadership and management qualification on a Wednesday would would go um and make sure I got that qualification done uh then like I said I went to do an introduction to counseling and then I just finished um at the end of last year actually uh, my lecturing qualification instead of my teaching qualification my lecturing qualification uh, so I could go into post-compulsory um, whether there's colleges or whether it's um, pupil referral units as yeah. soon as people are out of uh, are out of primary care from a 14 year old plus I can go and teach in those uh, establishments so uh, that's pretty cool and now Wednesday's normally taken up with a lot of work around uh, whether it's my school's program or whether it's working in the academies as well so I like to keep those days still um busy but in a different way busy to the the daily the daily life so i think it's so important to have a switch off from what your so-called job is and i do put job in a very comments because i know not everybody calls being a professional we play the job but uh, we still have to pay tax i suppose that part of it's professional um so nice um it's so important, I think, for your for your mind, for for your energy, uh, to, just to give everything you can to them when you're in those environments, because you can't be twenty four seven at one thing. And I think that's so important to understand. Yeah, I think you've you've there's a few points there that I think I'd just like to highlight. The fact that you've it's taken you some time, and you have to trust the system, right? You have to have the confidence to think it's the right thing for me not to be training today. And, and we can draw parallels with the workplace that it is the right thing to take our holiday or take our weekend breaks so we're on our top game when we come back to it. So that was the first thing. But the second thing, you you, you talk about having you know, switch-off time. Actually, your switch-off time is switched on to something else. And so you're still, you know, you're not using your body potentially, but you're using your mind, you're learning things, you're finding a sense of purpose in what you do. And we kind of need that, don't we? We need more you know, things to stimulate our minds to, to, to be well. Have you found that with all of the different things that you, you've done? Yeah, I've definitely found that. And I appreciate rugby so much more. So, like, I remember going in, uh, especially when I started my plumbing first one, all I had seen up to that point was rugby. 
Um, I was probably about um, 22 at the time doing that. And all I'd seen was rugby. And then I'd go in on a Thursday morning after plumbing on a Wednesday. Think, oh, my God, I love my job. I love being here. <laughs> like, it's so hard to make money in the, in the real world. Like, yeah, I remember my boss would pick me up. But, like, at times when he's really busy, 6 o'clock in the morning, he dropped me off, like, half 6 in the evening. I'm knackered, rolling out of the van. I'm supposed to be the one who's fit. I'm rolling out of the van. And he's going, oh, I just got to go and price up this job and just do this last bit of work before I go home and I'm like what how, how are you still going and you're doing this tomorrow you're doing this five six days a week how yeah. are you doing it and then so so I've, I've always probably had a bit more appreciation for what I do I think I feel because of doing those other things where I was switched on in a different way so yeah. yeah I've loved doing it and that's why I've always stayed busy as I can and now luckily when the schools are off my uh, daughters take up my Wednesdays which is probably more full-on than anything else I've ever done so uh, no it's exciting I, I just love being in different environments learning from different people and there might be things that you never think are relevant to what you're doing but you have a conversation you're like oh why didn't I do that or somebody says something to you and you're like that works perfectly for rugby, even though you're speaking to them in a completely different sense. So yeah. learning from people and connecting to new people is so important. Yeah, fantastic. And um, just got a shout out from uh, Danny Sculthorpe on the uh, on the live. So Danny, uh, a, a rugby, a fellow rugby player who's now a kind of mental health and wellbeing coach. Um, so yeah, fantastic, to- fantastic, fantastic. Look, he... Um, Finish this just a quick story around Danny. Danny Scuffle come uh, down to the Ospreys a few years ago. I put on a, a mental health awareness session, thought that there's probably going to be about three or four boys turned up next thing you know, had a full squad in there. Wow. And uh, Danny done a, Danny done a fantastic talk. And in fairness, everybody uh, left after that saying the fantastic work that he's done. And in fairness, we just connected him up with the WIU and he's uh, doing some work with them around that as well. So it's uh, been a good uh, crossover we've done some a few talks together when he's been down in wales as well so yeah i uh, do quite a bit of work then he's a fantastic guy yeah first. brilliant yeah top top man danny good and thanks for your comment so um if what would a perfect 10 day 10 i mean you're nine out of ten today but what would a if such a thing exists for you what what are the elements of a perfect 10 out of 10 day I'm very lucky. I live by the seaside, so it'd mean that uh, probably going for a nice walk on the beach. Um, it'd mean that I slept at my uh, full sleep the night before, which is which I don't remember that much anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'd mean probably and knowing that the body was in a body was in a good place as well. That I'd probably um, not carrying much fatigue. It'd mean the seasons probably either coming to an end, you know, that you've had a good season, it's coming to an end, or the season's about to start, you, you've got a lot of excitement around that. It means that not only I was off and my wife was off, so we were uh, being able to spend the, spend the day together with the girls, and it definitely means that uh, the daughters were uh, ready to go ready to get out and ready to go down. So for us, it's normally a, a walk and a coffee. Uh, very lucky to have some tidy coffee shops around where we live with some nice views. So um, that tends to be our 10 days. Or so we get down to my uh, in-laws. have got a caravan down the Gower. So we like to get down there, walk in, girls in the rucksacks, get to explore, get to explore the coast. So those those days for me would be ten days, and yeah. uh, I, I love having like rugby in my life, and so I still love playing. So I'd happily say that going to a going to a rugby afternoon kickoff as well is very very close to that uh, ten mark. Even though you've got some of the anxieties and stuff that comes with uh, playing and performing, so it's definitely being around the family and spending time with them that uh, gets you gets you those ten marks. 
Yeah, fantastic. And what what I love about that is, you know, that's you know very achievable, isn't it? You know, you can hit that periodically if the stars align, which is which is great. Um, and um, yeah, I, I I I totally agree with you being near the near the ocean uh, again. Where my mum is now, we've got the the ocean, and it's pretty cold. We were just discussing that, but um, I've um, been in the ocean every day since I've been here. And I think for me, part of a perfect ten day is a swim in the sea. It has to happen. Yeah, and I completely agree. And uh, like I was saying earlier, that I've done a lot of um, looking into the cold water therapy, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it started with um, Christmas Day swim that we do every every year in school. And if you think it's cold now at the moment, it, it is absolutely <laughs> Baltic on Christmas Day. You, when you can't walk up the beach feeling your feet, you're not sure if you're touching the sand or not. You know it's been pretty cold. So now I started looking into it, and then started at the start of this year. I said um, I'll make sure at least once or twice a week I'll go in the sea um, and then in fairness to my wife I think she I, I think she thought I was spending too much time down the beach so she bought me um, uh, a big old whiskey barrel for the back garden and uh, now I've got my own ice barrel at the back garden which is which is fantastic it's a bit of fun and um, on my uh, Instagram that I got my living well with Lloyd Ashley I do a lot of stuff around uh, doing the barrel work and loads of people in fairness have bought one since and I'm just running a competition which runs till the end of the week actually to give away a free barrel uh, to the winner because I know how much has helped me you know how much has, has supported me from a point of well-being recovery and so many different aspects giving a bit of time to myself as well so yeah. loads of different things are done for me and I've really appreciated having that and in fairness to her she, I can't I'm not going to be able to beat the 30th birthday present when hers comes around next year. So <laughs> I got already got my thinking hat on, but I don't know what I'm going to do because I don't think she'd appreciate the match in uh, his and hers one next year. So I don't think she'd appreciate it as much. <laughs> Brilliant. Lloyd, I love that. I, I'm so going to get a whiskey barrel because I, as, I, as I was mentioned to you, I've been doing cryotherapy, which is like minus 85 for five minutes. Um, and it's really helping with the, <clears throat> excuse me, the sort of inflammation that I get from long COVID and um, helping with the sort of headaches that I get. But I love the idea of a, a big whiskey barrel up to up, up, yeah, up to the waist or whatever, and in, in you go up to the chest um, right there in the garden. So, um, yeah, I'll certainly be getting one of those. That's so, a good idea. And the yeah. checking in, I know you talk about being present. You've got no excuse not to go in. It's in the garden. Like, yeah, you can spare 10 minutes at some point, whether it means going, getting up 10 minutes earlier in the morning, whether it means going to bed 10 minutes later, you, you can find that time. And we make so many excuses not to do certain things. And so I just find that that doesn't give me any excuses. I will have to walk past if I'm going to take the dog for a walk in the morning or in the night. So I can't even say I didn't, I forgot all about it because I didn't <laughs> yeah, see it. Yeah, so, it's it's yeah, kind no, of there, a big barrel yeah, there. I've got yeah. my big coat on walking the dog and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't been in yet. I've got to go in there. So it's, <laughs> it's those dreaded thoughts sometimes nice, but you get through it and you have a couple of minutes to yourself to have a think about what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then you realise it's all uh, beneficial and after the shivers stop, after a couple of minutes, you're, you're all good again. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Well, we'll definitely post a link to your Instagram on the, the show notes of this. And uh, I'm keen to check out some of your uh, challenges and your, your mates jumping in there as well. So all good. So look, we're going to do a quick fire round, which I haven't asked you to prepare for. But if I ask you a series of questions, if mental health were a, what would it be? So if mental health were a animal, Lloyd, what comes to mind for you? I'm going to go, I'm going to go gorilla. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful, but it, and it swings back and forth. Um, yeah. But when it when it gets to a position where it wants to be as stable as well and uh, stable to support everybody and in fairness from afar everybody enjoys 
enjoy seeing the gorilla swing through the uh, through the jungle as well, which is which is important when people are flourishing. We all enjoy seeing them as well. Brilliant! What a great answer. I was uh, fortunate enough in my life to have done the in Uganda gorilla trekking, and and you spend time with the silverbacks uh, in really close proximity, and wow. just the most amazing one of the most amazing experiences of my life, actually, and the just the the sense of serenity that comes off these amazing creatures um so that's one of the best answers we've had actually i love it so the mental health gorilla um if mental health were a color what comes to mind for you for me it'd be red um because it's part of us all uh, yeah. we all have it uh, it flows through us all um and it's always going to be with us and uh, luckily from a positivity point of view i've seen the red it, it means wales to me and it's, it's home and it's uh, it means a lot of strength as well yeah love that and and of course red can be a warning sign in nature as well that, Definitely. that you know we've got to be mindful um brilliant um and we've got a hummingbird on the and the turtle um from stephanie on uh, for the mental health animal great creatures as well i um yeah, again, I've been fortunate enough to see turtles in, in the wild, the great turtles, and um, a, a, an amazing experience. So if mental health were a food, what comes to mind for you? Oof, if it was a food, I'd have to go, I'd have to go pizza, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it's with us all. Uh, we all uh, some of us, we all enjoy it. Sometimes we overindulge on it. Um, we get those feelings either way. Um but I do think it's something that connects us all together as well. It's one of those that we can sit back and chat over, which which is which is a nice thing about pizza. We share each other's. Yeah. Um, n- not all of us as happy as the others to share it, which is probably a, a good thing around, <laughs> which is an honest thing around mental health as well, that we're not always open to sharing as well. Yeah. So um, I think if, if it represented a food group for me, that, that would be the one. I think it's a good one. And I think with the pizza, you've got lots of different ingredients that make up the whole, but you've also got very individual preferences as to what makes a good pizza. You know, um, yeah. so some people, you know, like the Hawaiian with the, the, the pineapple on. I couldn't touch pineapple on a pizza personally, but, you know, you get those very differences. So we're all very unique where our mental health and well-being is concerned. And the pizza preference is generally quite unique as well. Um, I like that. So this is going to be tricky for you because you don't remember any songs. Uh, but if mental health were a song or a piece of music, what what comes to mind there? Uh, that would for me, uh, it's a song that always you always listen to and take back. Elton John, Tiny Dancer. You, yeah, it's it goes it goes through so many different emotions. It's uh, at times you think it's a really upbeat, powerful song. At times it's so much depth to it and. There's so much different things going on. So I think that's probably a, a perfect song to understand that uh, sometimes things uh, appear for us and sometimes they're down there and sometimes yeah. we look at other people's lifestyles and uh, choices and think, oh, we shouldn't have done that or we look at them and be really envious of that and that affects our mental health as well. So I think it's a good song for, from my point of view to represent all those different emotions. Yeah, great choice um, and a great song. I must listen to that one again. I haven't heard it for a while, but you're right that that representing the different um, states that we might be in and the places that we might be in is is excellent. Um, so, if mental health were a holiday destination, Lloyd, where would that be? If I'm, if I'm going to go on a positive mental health uh, one year, Santorini. The um, me and my wife went there to get married. So, if I ever go back to uh, needing a reminisce and a happy place um, 
your all your best friends, your family in a place that's absolutely stunning. Everybody t- said it'll take your breath away when you go to Santorini, yeah. and it done even more than that. So uh, that that would definitely be uh, a place of uh, for me that think of mental health. But I probably it probably doesn't give you enough scope to cover everybody there because there's so much positive memories there for me it's not it's not an honest reflection on our up and downs uh, that it will happen with our mental health as well yeah and I think you know that I think with our mental health it can be aspirational right it can be you know the place that we want to be uh, too so I love that um so final question um if mental health were a sound what's what, what is the sound of mental health for you If I was going to rate it as in the fact that we're how we speak about mental health as a as a society, it's probably going to be a beeping of a horn because we sort of beep it. Everyone takes a step back, gets a little bit frustrated with it, doesn't really know how to deal with it. Um, so, so from my point of view and how in society it is at the moment, I, I would probably say it's a, it's a, a beep of a horn. Um, and I do worry that we do take that step back rather than uh, engage in it and understand actually what's going on as well. Yeah, I like that. I like that. We've never had that one before. And and of course, the beep of the horn, it can be aggressive, it can be angry, but it can also be a friendly warning, or it can even be a, oh, you haven't seen me, hi, hello, and it can be quite warm. Um depending on the, 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 the sort of car horn in, in particular that, that we have. Um, I love that one. Really good answer. So I'm going to do the difficult job of trying to put paint all of this into, into a picture, right? So we're, we're, we're in Santorini with our families. Um, and, you know, we're sitting down. We've got this incredible view, um, um, you know, that we can see for, for some time. We've, we've got Elton John playing um, the music's there with us and we're being served this incredible uh, pizza that, that all of the family are kind of tucking into, which, which is great. We can sort of hear a, the, the sound of, of the, the cars, but it's kind of, you know, that, that sort of Italian kind of, you know, friendly carnage that you get and, and it's in the distance, so it's not troubling us. Um, and, and the sun is setting and there's this beautiful red that is coming up over this view that we've got. And then we start to see this troop of gorillas. Now, I know Santorini is not known for its gorillas, but, you know, bear with me on this, um, that are just coming over the vista, swinging through this, this kind of forest bit that's over there. And, it, and it's just like the, the perfect moment. What do you reckon? Uh, so it doesn't sound a bad one. Uh, it's not a, not a bad place to be. I wasn't sure if the horn was going to be the delivery driver dropping off the pizza or not. So, uh... so uh, could it, yeah, yeah, that, that would have improved. Yeah, the horn, the delivery driver has got one of those. Kind of, yeah, definitely. That we we can improve that. Uh, Very good. So Very no, good. It's, no, but it's definitely a place where I'd be happy to be as well. Absolutely. Um, well, aside from the gorillas, that one's quite achievable as well. So maybe one one year I'll see you there. Um, so look, you're a professional rugby player and mental health uh, advocate. What, why are you so passionate about mental health and well-being, Lloyd? Realizing that we've all got it was yeah. the was the biggest thing to me. I I always thought that it was crisis that the mental health was, and so realizing from a point of view of rugby, especially that I've seen boys with uh, long-term injuries, with career-ending injuries, um, in runs of bad form, non-selection. I've been in all these as well, apart from the career-ending injury uh, touchwood. Uh, but in all those, in all those states, and then somebody asks you, "Oh, how are you doing?" The first thing you say, "Oh, yeah, good." And you're yeah. like, "I know I'm not, but why am I? Why am I not saying anything yet?" They know I'm not as well, and we also go, "Oh, good, good," and then leave it. And it, it at times it's because we're like 
does the person not want to speak about it? Or other times we're like, I don't really want to get into this and requesting them because I'm a bit nervous about about doing that. And then it's like, I never worked out. I was like, I'm there, but I'm not able to engage with people about it. I want to, but I'm not really sure. And I don't really want to sit down and say, no, you need to tell me everything. And then that, like I said, that introduction to counselling course about actually giving people time, making sure you're completely present in the conversation, making them feel safe, uh, understanding different environments, whether there's people around, why people wouldn't want to speak, understanding that people might not want to speak at that point, but letting them know you're there if they do want to speak, like those things. I was like, oh, there's much better ways I could do this than, um, than just say, when they say, oh, yeah, good be like oh I wish I could ask a little question more but I don't really know how to do it yeah. so understanding those things was, was huge for me and that's that's where my passion stemmed from and all of us have going to have seen whether it's family members whether it's feelings that we've had we're all going to have had struggles and not always known how to deal with it and whether they're struggles the last couple of days or whether they struggles the last uh, months or years, um, we all have those. We all have those things and see those things going on around us. But not knowing what to do was really, really frustrating for me. And then, like I said, that introduction to counselling course and then becoming an ambassador for Havel, I started realising that how much this is going on and the fact that we're just leaving it be. Um, so that's where my passion stemmed from and that passion hasn't left me and uh, luckily it's let me build uh, to where I am now yeah fantastic um, and, and pre- presumably in the, the you know kind of the rugby world the elite sporting world as well when when people are faced with that question how are you and if, if they're, they're struggling they're, is there a sense that people might be reluctant to say how they're feeling because they're thinking of the next selection and how they'd be perceived by the coach or the management yeah, there's definitely that. The 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 environment's changed completely. There's so yeah. much more support. There's so so much more uh, openness about how we're doing. But there's also a thing that I will speak about that we, as rugby players, we never say if we're injured, never yeah. ever. So we never talk about our physical pain that's going on. And that yeah. could be a day to day thing or or a game to game thing or once in a while because we want to play the next game. So how do we tell? players sort of they can't complain about their injuries and their their niggles that they've got going on their fatigue that they're carrying but then all of a sudden we're going to say oh you've got to speak about your emotions now you're feeling uh how you feeling mentally rather than physically it's it's such a hard balanced balance together and obviously uh the preconceived ideas that if you say to a coach that you've got this going on you've got that going on that they're not going to select you like things have definitely changed from that but we're still going to have those stigmas those thoughts still left from before and we definitely haven't got a robust enough system to look after all our players yet which which we're trying to do a lot more for and we're trying to be proactive but if we're going to be completely honest we are all being proactive in a reactive stage we've let things get too far before we've started being proactive even though we're doing so much work now so it's just getting that understanding and from a male point of view, we don't always know how to express ourselves. Even if we are feeling those emotions, uh, it's easy for a player go out to train and you can smash you can smash somebody else or you can smash pads to get rid of some of those frustration. And sometimes they're, they're your barriers and they're your way of getting rid of how you actually feel. But it doesn't always deal with the emotions as well. And that's the, the most important thing and the things we're trying to change now as well. Yeah, absolutely. And w- would you say that that culture of, and I know it's part of the sport and it's part of many sports that you, you don't talk about the physical injuries and you, you want to get to selection. Would you say that 
that has that is changing and evolving as our knowledge of sports science and the body becomes greater and and and, and more widely dispersed. Yeah, it's definitely changing. I see um, young players come through the academy looking after themselves so much more than we ever did in, in the past when they got niggles to make them just be niggles rather than serious injuries. They report them to the physios. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely changing. And I think that's only going to open up the conversation around how you're actually feeling. Yeah. And it's so important because if you're going to be guarded about something, it's going to be hard, really hard to be really honest about something else. So yeah. I think that's so important. It is such a big change uh, that's coming. And like we've got physios there for a reason. We've got strength and conditioning coaches there for a reason. Like it's not just rugby coaches in a rugby environment because everybody else needs to be there to look after players. And that's so important to understand that they are actually there for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I always like to translate this back to the, the kind of corporate or the regular workplace. And, you know, it's the same sort of challenge, isn't it? We think there are resources there, but they're often underutilized because of the stigma, because of the fear of how we'd be perceived. And those resources are there for a reason to help the people in that workplace. And part of this mission, this collective mission that we're all on is to inspire people that it is okay to seek help for uh, a mental health challenge like we would generally for a physical health challenge and i'm sure you'd agree with that right yeah definitely agree with that and we've got um a sports psychologist uh at the ospreys who's brilliant uh does so much around the unseen work that probably boys don't realize how much is going on and but then as soon as somebody has a conversation going goes and sits with a sports psychologist you've got people going oh, everything all right and it's like they might just be on a chat. It might not be nothing, nothing yeah. going on and on a chat. So the more open we can be, the more people who use uh, sports psychologists, the clinical psychologists, the Welsh Rugby Union have got, uh, the more open the conversation is going to be. And we're definitely getting that, that balance uh, a lot better now than we ever have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and presumably there are the specific challenges to our mental well-being uh, as an elite athlete there are certain pressures that that you would face and I, I guess you get more accustomed to over time but can you talk us through those a little bit yeah the, the main ones the main ones for us when we look at it from a rugby point of view are um being fit whether you're yeah. whether you're injured or not uh, whether you're being selected whether your teams teams winning or losing, going through bad form. We're all on short-term contracts. The longest you'll ever have on your contract is three years. Yeah. So it's not it's not a long time when you think of your family life and everything going around it. And the other one's social media, the pressure yeah. that comes with social media. So so those are the big five um, sort of red flags that we need more understanding about. And you need to realize that probably at any point in your career, any of those could affect you. Because yeah. um, obviously social media gives gives an open platform for people to say what they want. I think all of us would at times receive comments that we don't want. Some players worse than others, especially the, the larger um, audience they have, the more scrutiny they have around them. Yep. Um, then you go back to the injuries, um, can affect anything. It could, be, it could mean that you go to one training session and your career's over. It could mean that you're in the form of your life and you know, all of a sudden there's a big final or semi-final coming up and you're not able to play in it, even though yeah. you've been a huge part of the team and you yeah. all of a sudden you're isolated from everybody else. The contract thing, it's not just you going through it, it's your family going through it. 
Yeah. And we all we all feel pressure to earn money and to do to do those things and to pay the bills. We see we see what needs to be coming in the house to to pay for what you've got going on. So the pressure of thinking, oh, I've only got six months left on my contract and I don't know if they're gonna re-sign me. I don't know if we're gonna have to move if I wanna carry on being a professional rugby player. Yeah. There's a, there's lots going on there. Um selection. It's funny because selection's uh, such a strange one because it's one person's opinion. So a coach could change in the summer. You could have had the best uh, two, three seasons going in and all of a sudden a new coach comes in and likes a slightly different style and all of a sudden you don't suit the style. So you're going, oh, where do I fit in this now? I've gone from knowing every week that I fit into the team and I can I can slot in nicely mm. to, oh, my, this doesn't suit me as much and I don't know if the coach is going to support what, what I do. So those things change all the time and sadly professional sport coaches do change over. It's not like yeah. uh, Alex Ferguson, 23 years or whatever he did at Manchester United where he's seen so many players just go through all there under him. Um so those things affect us all the time. And so there's so many different things. And that's why we're trying to raise the education around the academy program, just understanding that those things do happen. But if we can put things in place pre these happening, the understanding, the education, the, and the fact that we can speak about these things, that, that will hopefully players don't get as caught up with them. Yeah, yeah. And social media, picking up on that one for a second, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because players in years gone by didn't have that pressure. And now it must be quite difficult uh, as, as a professional player to to not look at the comments on Twitter or, or whatever whatever other channel we're talking about. Um, and it must take quite a lot of self-discipline to you know, kind of you know, turn it off or switch it off or regulate the amount of time you're looking at it. And then there's also the psychological impact of, how you deal with those negative comments because we tend to focus on the negative we ignore the positive we might have a hundred positive comments and you'll focus on the one negative one right how do you deal with it and how do you advise the kind of younger players coming through to deal with it yeah it's definitely definitely the fact that however many positive comments you have the one negative one and it might not even be that bad but it seems way more negative when you've when you've read it and you're not expecting it yeah. um i think the hardest thing as well is knowing that your family, your friends see that. Yeah. I remember early on in my career, um, uh, my wife seeing a comment somebody said, and it, was, it wasn't that bad, it was just saying that that's basically apart from uh, Lloyd Ashley and the team, but we've got a very good team. And it's like, my wife sees that, and it's like, she knows day to day what, what goes into me being on the field. She knows how many sacrifices not only I make, that she makes yeah. to make sure that, that I'm there. She knows that years before that, the sacrifices the rest of the family have made to make sure I'm here, there and everywhere. So those things don't, don't only affect the player, they affect mm. the people around them and players are more affected by if it affects everybody else rather than it just affecting them because yes. we're able we're able to wash it off if it's just for us normally. It is hard. I'm not saying that none of us want to see these negative comments, but uh, we also definitely don't want to see anybody else affected by these negative comments. Uh, so that's a hard thing as well, understanding that even if you're saying to young players, like, try not to look through these things. I know some things will catch you out, but say to your friends and family, don't go searching for these things. And yeah. if you do see them, don't send them to me because I don't need to see them either. So uh, yeah. that understanding between that. And as a youngster, like, if you're in a group of mates, you have a bit of banter. Like, if i seen... As an 18-year-old, if I had seen a negative comment about one of my mates, I would have screenshot this, send it to him saying, ha-ha, 
messing yeah. around, not really really realizing the effect that it could have on that player and the confidence for all they worked for, and then you could shatter a bit of their confidence with that. So yeah. it's just our understanding that words do affect people, and uh, we have to take some responsibility for for what we say and uh, how we get it across, and also that. From a young player's point of view, just remember that, that normally the people who are commenting, putting these things online, have been nowhere near the uh, arena that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know, for for me, there's a, there's there's a few things wrong in the world, right? But but one of the things wrong in the world is people can hide behind the anonymity of platforms, um, social platforms, to express hatred and vitriol and, and things they would never say to somebody's face, and and it. This really saddens me, um, for one. The second point that resonates there is that you know, we, we kind of look to our heroes and our professional athletes and think that they're almost not human. Um, you know, we see them on TV, we see them in 2D, or we see them on the, on the, in a stadium. And, and people can forget, actually, those, those stresses and pressures that you spoke about. You know, if, if, if most of those people had a, a two- or three-year contract, that would be a big worry for them in their regular job, right? And they don't have that. And that I think it's okay to you know to spit hatred and you know, put their views there. So I think there's a few things that need to change. But the thing that I heard coming out strongly there is we need empathy, right? We need empathy for the people that are are going through different stuff. And you know I know the sort of sacrifices you would make to be a professional athlete. Certainly, your wife and your friends will know about that, and you know about it. And um, I think people need to recognise what it takes a little bit to be. Um, in your position um, so it's really nice to hear you share those those perspectives so um, sporting injury again is, is an interesting one isn't it because I think if you look at the mental health impact of of that and I think there's two sides to this one if you're in a mentally well place there's been a lot of studies on this that actually you have a lower risk of injury if you're if you have good mental health if, yeah, and quicker healing time and quicker healing time so actually prioritizing our mental well-being is good for our physical well-being but then of course particularly outside of the elite environment where you've got the physios and everything else actually recovering from an injury when you're passionate about a support is it can be quite difficult and have a big toll on on our mental well-being can't it yeah definitely and it takes so much away from you so, so like um at times we take walking for granted just being able to walk around just be able to jump in the car and drive to wherever we want and all of a sudden like on a saturday you land awkwardly you're being told you can't drive for two months you're probably not gonna be able to walk for three or four months you won't be able to get back running maybe for six months um and then especially in the community game you're being told the nhs um physio will see you once every two or three weeks yeah. you're going all right what do i do between now because i'm going to be in pain i want to want to get going i want to get back playing with my mates yeah. like those things that those things are hard to take and they're hard in an elite environment but the lucky thing about our elite environment in a sad way is that there's probably gonna be other people injured there's probably yeah. at that point there's not always you're not on your own there might be different injuries they might be further down the down the recovery line than you uh, but there's tends to be other people injured who who might be feeling the same emotions and yeah. it's probably hard to get into that conversation first of all but you tend to through your rehab process get to those days where you're going I'm really frustrated say I'm in pain I've got this going on because you're together but not having that connection day to day will be really hard to get in that conversation you get so much taken away from you so quickly and 
everyone says little things like from a professional sport point of view, yeah, but you're still getting paid. And it's like, well, no, actually, this is a lot being taken away from me. And maybe next year I won't be getting paid now because of this injury. Yeah. Um, because we've all got uh, six or nine months closing our contract if we're long, injured longer than six or nine months, uh, the club can release you, um, which is completely legal to do from their point of view. And from a business point of view, it makes sense just in your contract. But it's, it's a hard one to take as well when you're thinking, oh, is this, is this the one as well? So, yeah, those things, uh, a lot of those things can play on players' minds as well. Yeah, and, and a bit, the, the, there's, again, there's lot, lots of bits that I could pick up on there, but that sense of community and connection to to with other people that are in the same boat, I think is important. And I think, you know, particularly at the, the non-elite level that we, we we help people find those connections to to get through the, the challenges. Um, really interesting stuff. Talk us through your work with the the, uh, the Welsh Rugby Players Association, Lloyd, and the, the impact you're trying to create there. Yeah, so um, the uh, work with the Welsh Rugby Players Association, there was um, about two years ago, um, I was looking into doing my first aid for mental health uh, instructor's qualification. And in fairness to the Welsh Rugby Players Association, they said, oh, why don't we fund fund you to do that? And then uh, you come on board with us to be lead for mental health and well-being because we want to change the stigma around mental health. We want to do a lot, want to be a lot more proactive. So we sort of come up with the agreement that I would do that and then I'd sign up to be lead for mental health um, and well-being for the Welsh Rugby Players Association and try and start changing the conversation, the stigma. We didn't really know where we wanted to go there at the time. Um, and then sort of got through that qualification and then sort of went, why don't we not do an academies programme and get this run into the academy all the time? So sort of met up with um, uh, Dr. Dale Thomas, who's the clinical psychologist for the WIU and sort of went, um, Ospreys in fairness, because we, we have a sports psychologist in place, already had a bit of work going on in the academies. So I sort of sat with uh, uh, Dr. Steve Mell, who's the... Um, a sports psychologist for the for the Ospreys and started doing some work with him, started jumping on board with the work he was doing in the academies and thought, why are we not doing this across the board? Why isn't everybody having this service? So went to the WIU with a bit of a proposal like this is what I'd like to do to the academies. Are you happy with that? Met all the academy managers with the Welsh Rugby Players Association and thought, oh, this is a very good way of getting uh, mental health awareness and education uh, into the system without it being... Uh, non-rugby specific as well because we're obviously yeah. speaking about the things that can affect us as elite players but also your life outside now those balances come back and forth um, so we got that going and now probably uh, we're into our second year of getting this programme going um, I would have signed off all session ones by the end of September which is which is a really good balance to where we are already in the season to get all those done and also now we're trying to target the transition boys so the boys will come towards the end of their careers sadly I'm in that boat I think now uh, uh, after turning 30 and then uh, helping those connect with the boys who've who've recently come out of sport uh, uh, to professional rugby over the last couple of years trying to keep that community and those connections going so yeah. trying to do some evenings where we do live Q&As have a bit of fun together meet up and just remember remind everybody that you have got a connection still here. We've still mm. got a support network in place for you because it's so easy to leave your club. You have a handshake. You think everybody's going to remember you. And then two months later, you're out of the WhatsApp group. You've got nothing going on on your phone. 
you have one or two boys checking in once in a while who are still enjoying what they're doing and you don't want to burden them with what's going on and you're really not sure what to do with your life and you've lost your identity as a professional rugby player. People are not asking you about rugby anymore. Um, so so many things going on like that. So trying to keep a network where we connect and then also the boys in professional sport going, oh, what's it like to transition? Is there, any, is there any way you could help me? Could I come and shadow you? Have you got anybody else I can come and see you to do work with? So keeping those connections is going to help everybody. So we're in the middle of trying to do that. We tried to set up something on Zoom uh, during lockdown. In fairness, Jason Carl Fox did a, did a live Q&A for us, which is, which is fantastic. But trying to get that, uh, people to buy into that is obviously hard because they've got nothing to base it on. So we need to build it over a couple of months, years. So hopefully that there's always a connection there for people to come back and forth to. So they always know they still got rugby. And we've also got that insight into, um, the, like you were saying, the corporate world or the, the world outside the normal working world that we probably haven't got a full reality of from a, from a professional player's point of view. Um, so, yeah, that transition bit is super important as people, I guess, need to find you know, a sense of purpose, right? And, and maintain yeah. those connections that, that you mentioned. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm back on the chat, on the live. People are letting me know that they can't hear me. So hopefully they can now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of community um, and, and obviously sort of sporting clubs um, and, and sport generally has uh, the opportunity to influence community where um, mental health and well-being are concerned. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of ideas that I'm working on as part of our Form for All initiative. But what's your take on, you know, how we might be able to help communities be a little bit better of, uh, on mental health and well-being? Um, yeah. You know, and, and, in, and influencing that beyond the, the, the kind of players themselves. Yeah, I think it's a huge thing. I go around the the some of the places that have lost their rugby clubs over the last couple of years due to not enough players and stuff. And you see, um, the first thing they speak about is not that I miss rugby, is I miss being in the in with all the team, having everybody around us. It's not the actual rugby, it's the memories that you have around the rugby. The, sitting yeah. in the changing room after a game and you know you've given everything and so is the person next year and you've all got your arm around them saying, uh, oh, that was a good one, that was, or oh, we shouldn't have lost that one, but you've got that bond that you can't bring with anything else. So it's definitely that connection and those, uh, those in those communities that um, that's the most important thing. And I think understanding, like we said, we spoke about earlier, being having that understanding of those things we do day to day, how much that affects our well-being and our mental health. So giving that awareness. So hopefully then on a Tuesday when they're like, oh, I can't really be bothered to enough for training, they go, no, actually, I want to be there. It gives me this, it gives me that. Even though it seems like it's causing a bit of grief or a bit of timing uh, issue out of the house from a family point of view, actually it gives, when I go back after this, I'm in a lot better place for family. I've had a bit of switch off time and I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot fitter because of going. So that understanding, I think, is really important to, to know where we are. But I also, we've done, um, I've done a bit of work. You um, introduced, obviously, Danny earlier that I went to do a talk with them at Pink Philly Rugby Club around, um, around mental fitness and the awareness. You see so many men come up at the end of their life. I've never spoken about my emotions. Thanks for thanks for letting me know it's okay. So the more educations we can do around the rugby clubs is so important. I know um, I've, I'm in quite a few conversations with a different uh, lot of different local rugby clubs about going up to do a mental health awareness session for those. Just just understanding, and they all say like because I come from a different environment, maybe it'll 
help everybody get engaged in the conversation in a different way than maybe the coach just saying, look, you know where I am if uh, if you need me or anything like that as well. So I think it's so important that we, if we can get around the messages uh, to as many people as possible, it's so important. And I do think a rugby club's a safe place. Yeah. Um, it is for so many different people. And I'm not saying there hasn't been things that have gone on in rugby clubs that could affect people in a different way, but I would say the majority has made them feel safe. It's made them feel like they got a community. It's made them feel like they got people around them who they really care about. And um, sadly, in South Wales, over the last um, few years, we've lost so many young men to suicide. And you see how, how that's affected the rugby club. And you see how everybody pulls together. And they're like, look, like, don't go through this on your own. We're here for you. And sadly, sometimes we've seen those crisis points before anybody's ever said, that, look, we're here for you from a, not only an enjoyment point of view and coming and having a few beers. We're here to sit down have conversations, have open conversations. And even though, as sad as it is, we've lost so many people from suicide, I don't think we could ever uh, remember how many people we saved as well from that point as well by having that safe space and that community around them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if we do the things like you, you're you're facilitating and equipping people to have those conversations with first aid training and, and awareness training, um, then then we can save some more. So, um, yeah, kudos for that. And, 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 Talk us through briefly about Living Well with Lloyd Ashley, what, what that's all about. Yeah, so Living Well with Lloyd Ashley has been uh, set up um, on the back of the different courses I've done. Um, the, the first aid for mental health, the introductions counselling, the lecturing, um, whether, and the rugby background as well. So uh, it's been set up uh, uh, predominantly to get the first aid for mental health out there into organisations if they want to. Um, a lot of different clubs just want um, well-being talks around awareness and the basic education. And then, a, and then a big one for me is my resilient school program, which is um, a mental health awareness session, but reined back in with more proactive steps, opening the conversations for schools to facilitate with young men. Um, it's obviously a huge target area for us. Um, so just opening that conversation, letting them know that they're going to feel frustrated, they're going to have times of upset, they're going to have times they feel alone, um, but it's fine to say it as well, and the more we can equip people, the more we let people realise if they put their phone down when they're on the conversation, they feel everybody else thinks they're much more engaged in the conversation, and they'll learn a lot more from each other, yeah. so those things are really important, and that, in fairness, I think, and just over 10 schools now that I've done it in um, already for the next school year. I've got three uh, three schools booked in for 10 sessions each to make sure we get through all the uh, young men from sixth form all the way down to year eight. Um, so um, there's so much work going on there. And I absolutely love going into schools. Yeah. I love changing the conversation. I love the fact that probably when you turn up and people know you're a fresh rugby player, they're thinking you're going to speak about sport and all of a sudden you're saying to them that, no, we need to speak about the other things as well. It's really important. They go, no, that's okay then. And then they've got teachers that go into certain schools and they're going, oh, they won't speak to you. They won't engage in this. And all of a sudden you've got a young uh, young lad saying that uh, what he's had going on and he struggled. And it's not only it's not only the fact of opening up, it's the fact that other people sit there would normally be shouting in a classroom and they're just sat there actually listening and engaged in the conversation. They're going, yeah, that could happen to any of us, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's important that we know that. Oh, actually, that's quite fun, isn't it? So it's loads of different things like that. And you have yeah. those conversations, you leave there and you've got a young young man come up to you and saying, oh, thank you thank you very much for that. And you're going, oh, I wasn't expecting 
wasn't expecting that. And you don't realise what other people have got going on in their lives. And like you were saying earlier, that a lot of people look at us as professional players and think, oh, uh, macho men, superheroes, they haven't got anything else going on in their lives. They're just rugby players, but realising that all of us have got things going on. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I, I've got to know the, the previous CEO of HSBC quite well, um, John Flint. And John talks about um, he was out getting a sandwich at lunchtime and one of his employees came up to him in a pret or wherever it was and said, you actually eat sandwiches? And he's like, yes, I'm a human being. I'm a CEO, but I'm, I'm a human being. And I think it's the more we can share those social stories, the better, really. But um I, I'm blown away by the amount and volume of things that you do outside of being a professional athlete. And um, I'm so impressed with all of the things we've been talking about. So thank you once again for sharing all of that, but also for everything you do and the impact that you're having in um, within rugby, within your communities and, and within the schools. It's, it's really good to see, Lloyd. Um, one final question from me. And we like to sort of um, collect and curate a library of well-being golden nuggets. The one, the one tip that you're prepared to share, the one bit of wisdom about proactively managing well-being. What would be yours? Yeah, I'll go for I'll go for a first one. Yeah, and then I, I might uh, go off on a tangent after it. But the first the first thing I got told when I set up the company, it's a strange place to come from. But one another boy said to me, "When you get over yourself, you'll be okay." And I saw thought sat back and was like. To me, when I get over myself, I, like I don't feel like I've got a big ego or anything like that. And then I remember going to launch the company and I did a video about a hundred times doing exactly the same thing. I'm thinking, oh, I can't do that. I'm going to get, see people are going to take the mick out of me for doing it. They're going to do different things. And then I was like, no, why are, you, why are you worried? You're doing this for the right reasons. It's important to you. You feel very passionate about it. Get it out there. Let people know. And if people want to support, they can. If people don't want to support, they, they're more welcome to that as well. And then, and then that one has always stuck with me. So once you get over yourself, because we tell ourselves so many stories, our ego is normally our barrier. The stories we tell ourselves inside is the reason we don't do things that us and that's us missing out then from uh, from our own stories and that was the one thing that's always stuck with me i think it will always stick with me if you're if it means something to you if you're doing it from the right place and you're passionate about it go and do it don't let us, don't let the thoughts of other people or what potentially could happen don't let those things get in the way just be honest be authentic and do what's important to you so that, that's 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 the biggest one for me and the other one is just being conscious about what's going on around you that it's fine to have those days that we're down but it's also a good time to sit back and think uh, why am i in this place but also do the same when you're really happy as well so yeah. you take those things in and you appreciate that it shouldn't be uh, i feel like mental health is something people look af after when they're in a bad place or they're close to crisis it's not there's something that they sit back and reflect on when things are going well and that's why uh, we spoke about the form score i think it's fantastic that we speak about the good days as well as the bad days because um it's important from a mental health point of view that we do have those balance and we do appreciate the good times as well as the bad times as well yeah brilliant great great tips there and i think you're right you know can we how do we maintain a high form? You know, what what thing, what do we need to do to proactively stay at a, an eight out of ten um, or a seven out of ten, rather than starting to worry about it when we're a five out of ten? And, and that's the the magic I think that we can all do. Um, Lloyd, it's been such a pleasure pleasure um, chatting to you. Thank you so much. Um, this is the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well being. Next up, we're going to chat to uh, Josh. 
Krzyzewski, who is the COO um, and EMEA CEO of Mediacom. And Josh was actually winner of the Inside Out Awards um, executive sponsor uh, category this year. So keen to get into a chat with him. But in the meantime, Lloyd, thank you so much for being such a great guest. Thank you for your time, Rob. Thank you very much.